Well, I uh, understand that I'm somewhat hesitant because I, I believe that there may very well be uh, further legal action that uh, comes out of this. Um, multiple police reports were filed last night by multiple individuals um, with multiple forms of physical uh, evidence, uh, video evidence, photographs, and then physical evidence in the form of my destroyed uh, bicycle uh, tire that I just barely got tuned up, cost me 80 bucks, really ticked me off, and then also destroyed the uh, trailer I was using as a first aid uh, carrier that had a first aid kit and water in it, ran over that, uh, got run over by a, uh, uh, a four-ton juggernaut being driven by a young white gentleman from Minnesota, I assume, because that's where his license plates. Because well, I wasn't the only one. There were other people that were trying to stop this guy from inching forward into the crowd. And, uh, and you know, it was that time, it's like, if I can do something and help others uh, of whatever color, then I need to do that. And the only thing I could think of, actually, and I actually thought of it in that moment, was that, I don't know who said it first, but the machine of oppression is such that there comes a point where all you can do is lay your body down on it to stop it from oppressing people and yourself and you know we, we had reached that point and then i also thought of jesus when he said that no greater love have a man that uh, than this that he lay down his life for a stranger and i couldn't imagine that someone would actually drive into a crowd of people i looked into his eyes and i saw a trickster not a good trickster the kind that takes great pleasure in causing pain to other people the malevolent one okay and i could see that in his eyes and there was no other reason for him to be there other than to harass and intimidate by using his juggernaut weapon uh known as a truck because that's what it was. It was a giant truck, a flatbed, big enough that weighed several tons that would have killed any number of people, even if he had just inched his way into the crowd over people. I yelled at him, everybody yelled at him, you've got to stop this truck. And he, you know, he just smiled and he's just like, get out of my way. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't say that, but that was the attitude on his face. And he just kept inching forward into this crowd. And, and I don't know what would possess someone to think that it's okay to do that with their vehicle? He had no legitimate reason to be doing that. He came out of the line of traffic and went around a line of cars that was just waiting there. You know, it's not like we were occupying the intersection for a thousand years. It was a couple of minutes and they were just waiting there for the people to get up and, and leave. And this guy drove around that line of cars to try to cut into the intersection or around them to deliberately get into our face. People who support Donald Trump and gun rights or don't believe in Black Lives Matter protests or whatever, you are fully expected to exercise your First Amendment rights. But I got to tell you, if you want to exercise your First Amendment rights, get down on the same level that the rest of us are at. Get your flag and your buddies and walk around on the sidewalks with your counter protests. Okay, Fred Phelps and his ilk had it down to a freaking, uh, you know, design, an art form of their counter-protest at parades, marches, and rallies. 
All right, there are ways to do that. When you show up using your truck as a form of intimidation, which explicitly tells other people that if you don't agree with me, if you don't let me go through right the middle of your peaceful protest with my vehicle, with my speech that's more important, then I will run you down literally. And that is all that that truck appearance was designed to do was intimidate and harass other citizens and prevent them from exercising their First Amendment rights. It is a violation of civil rights. It had no other purpose other than to intimidate. They could have just as easily participated in the protest and let their views be known by being on the same level as the rest of us. But when they're in a truck circling us like a predator, like a predator shark like Donald Trump was circling Hillary Clinton during the debates, then there's no other purpose but you to be there to intimidate and to harm and to cause people harm. And my final point on this, there's been a lot of conversation about militarized police and how they escalate, you know, people will escalate automatically in a response to that kind of response. What was this person thinking was going to happen, okay, when he started doing that? People escalate in response to a threat, as in, knock this off, three or four people throwing themselves in front of this truck demanding that he stop doing it. What was he expecting? There's no reasonable expectation. There is no real reasonable purpose for him to have been doing what he was doing. Nothing legitimate whatsoever, other than to intimidate and harm protesters that were participating in a peaceful, completely peaceful march, demanding that uh, justice be served. not only for George Floyd, but for Robbie Ramirez here in Laramie, Wyoming. If you're driving along and come across a group of people who have decided to lay in the middle of the street and act like lizards, I don't know, you don't get to just run over them. You, you have to go around them, okay? And so the idea that I was just trying to get where I was going and these people were blocking my rifle path, it's like, you know what? There are multiple streets, if you are legitimately trying to get from point A to point B, that can get you there with an inconvenience of 60 seconds at most. Make a right, make a left, make a right, you're back where you need to be. It's, it's not hard. So there was nothing legitimate there from their behavior. They were only there to harass, intimidate, and potentially cause great physical harm to protesters. And I, I wasn't trying to be a hero. Somebody kept yelling, stop, you know, think about the movement. It's about the movement. You know, we don't need this. It's going to look back for the movement. I'm like, I'm not trying to be in front of this truck because I want to be angry and mad at some white guy driving a truck at me. Okay. I'm in front of this truck because he's trying to hurt us. And I've got nothing other than myself. That's what it takes. So be it. I'm going to make sure I send this link to my sisters.
Well, like the, we're supposed to pick a book that's like our favorite and then a book that's like our, what the fuck is this doing here? Or, yeah, it's, that it's just funny. The book is there. Mm -hmm. I remember there's more stuff over here. But. Oops, so the. Yeah, so the first thing you're doing is looking for two books, two different books. One is your favorite book in this library. If you, you might already know that, you may have to pick a temporary favorite. And then the other thing you're looking for is how funny it is to see this particular, some particular book where you're like, oh, it's odd that that book is here, or it's hilarious mm -hmm. that that book is here, or ironic, or just, it's a, just a silly book. So the book that makes us giggle and our favorite book in the library, yeah. basically. Okay. Yes. You can just talk whenever you've made that book decision, those decisions. <laughs> Are we going to make a fiction, non-fiction distinction, nope. or just favorite nope. book? Yeah. Mm. Nobody said this would be easy. <laughs> this is why socialism doesn't work. <laughs> Can it be like the favorite book we've never read? <laughs> sure. It can be any... You can. It can be a book where, gosh, I'm glad this book is here. I'm glad this book's in our library. <sighs> this changes everything. Naomi Klein, Capitalism versus the Climate. This would be my favorite nonfiction book. Currently in the library. So that's one answer. While we're waiting, I want to give a shout out to Matt Boers because we just got a copy of his book, We Should Improve Society Somewhat. It's a collection of his amazing cartoons at the Nib, and I've seen him in all kinds of other places too. Uh, Matt is awesome. Uh, this book is awesome, and it comes with a sticker that I put over on the Steven Universe temporarily. I didn't stick it on there, but it's over on Noah's Steven Universe painting. Or graphic, and it says we should improve society somewhat. Nice. I think it's kind of cute that we have the joy of budgerigars in here. All about parakeets. I think we should also all yes, yes. This is definitely on. I think we should also like, all name a book that's like the least likely book to ever get fucking opened ever. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, why would you look up anything in the Bible? You can find it like on the internet. Can I that's true. You need to know about something in the Bible. That's true. If you need a scripture, the internet is definitely now the place to be. Did I get this? Sure kind of I, I think I, I took that it? from you and never gave it back. Okay, yeah, because I remember reading this. This is a good book. It all, it? As long as it all ends up in the in the communal library. But right? you have to say it because we're recording. Oh, uh, the myth of ownership. The myth of ownership. Yes. What's it about? You know, I never actually read it, but I put it next to all the other books that we use to research all our work on the commons and alternative uh, uh, economies. This is my what the like fuck that. book. 
this bastion of neoliberalism, no higher honor, a memoir of my years in Washington by Condoleezza, Condoleezza Rice. Rice. This is my favorite here, Kafka. The complete stories and parables. So that's worth reading. That is also one of my favorites. I haven't read this favorites. particular book. I've read several of, of the obvious of what's in here. Oh, this is sweet. I didn't know we had a copy of Sand County Almanac in here. Oh, I think my uh, parents had a copy they were giving away. And it may very well be not the only copy of Sand yeah. County Almanac, <laughs> I would imagine. My? Because I had one for years. I may still have yeah. it or not. Last time I saw mine, it was like literally falling apart. I mean, like pages, anyway. What's your favorite book, Judy? Uh, an environmental biology honors seminar uh, was the dance. source. Of oh! Oh! Careful. I'm glad we got that. Stop. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Why is there a Dan Brown book here? Uh, yeah. This is my least favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> the least favorite is not a question that was asked in this <laughs> oh, game. Oh, I thought it was... But the, like, the, but the most like, shocking to see or the most ironic to see... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Brown. Dan Brown uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the, the sound of that, those falling things also is good to point out for our, for our secondary discussion that, uh, um, that uh, we, have, we don't have uh, all of the shelf space yet that we need, although we will soon mm. undoubtedly have enough shelf space. Mm -hmm. So then the question will simply be where to shelf everything. So you can be thinking about that. And I wanted to do the first questions first so that you could kind of get acquainted with the library. Uh, probably my what the fuck book is Rogue Warrior by Richard Marchenko. Fascinating, makes Arnold Schwarzenegger look like Little Lord Fauntleroy. Oh. Brilliant virtuoso of violence. Richard Marchenko rose through the Navy ranks to create and command one of this country's most elite and classified counterterrorism units, SEAL Team 20 or 25 pages of it and I, I got I, it. I think I, I like, might have read the, yeah, the first little bit too. There's all these kind of like smug asshole, boorish asshole. You know. But <laughs> blah, blah. it lacks class consciousness. Mm. Aaron James, what's wrong with you? Lacking class consciousness. Asshole management begins with asshole understanding. Hmm. It was one of those reads where I was like, it's mildly interesting that he's doing this, mm -hmm. that he's creating this taxonomy so it can sustain you for a while. It's like, I want to see where this taxonomy goes. And then afterwards, I was like, this is not, I'm not particularly interested anymore. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if there's like, what do you think would be the most useful book for your fellow commune members to read? Yeah, like a recommendation. Yeah, like if you could, if you could assign a. I guess text if you could recommend a book, it wouldn't necessarily be useful though for me. It would be, you would enjoy this book. 
Mm. Which is kind of the, a different question, though. Yeah. What do you think they enjoy? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I ain't gonna tell you what lessons you need to learn. Oh, come on, that's not fun. <laughs> I don't see reading. the Fountainhead and Atlas Shrug. There is, there is definitely some Ayn Rand in this library. I, I, I am 100% certain that, that there is, and I am 99% certain that whoever gave it to us did, did so full, knowing full well how ironic it was. <laughs> okay. But we would, but uh, you know, this is a, this is a library. And so we need our enemies' books uh, as well as our own. Uh, that doesn't mean we need a bunch of our enemies' books, but we definitely no, just, just with a means how can we how could we totally drag Ayn Rand without having a copy of The Fountainhead or Atlas Listen. Shrugged or mm -hmm. The Virtue of Selfishness? As one of the few people in this country who's actually read all of Atlas Shrugged that's not a Republican, I can tell you. <laughs> I ain't missing much. <laughs> From a literary or a philosophical here's, standpoint. Here's another treasure. I'm sorry, I'm not following the rules of this at all. The gospel according to peanuts. And it is not the gospel used like generally speaking, like, oh, this is peanuts world. No, peanuts this is literally the gospel, gospel according to peanuts. You know, this is a seriously like deep uh and was and was popular. Yeah. Though Introduction or forward by Martin E. Marty, who's this biblical or scriptural scholar person. I remember hearing about this. I even think that uh, Charles Schultz, who was a Christian, um, as you could tell by Linus's <laughs> periodic forays into biblical um, mm -hmm. hermeneutics, uh, that... Charles Schultz himself was moved by, by this book. There's two copies of Spain in Our Hearts. Here, Spain in Our Hearts is a book about the uh, um, the anti-fascists in Spain and the the, the Republicans and. Uh, communists who fought together there's also can we do like books that are terrible books but were pretty good movies <laughs> okay this is not fucking <laughs> library variety show jeopardy why not because <laughs> that's that can be another episode you're, oh, you're running through the content too fast yana i'm sorry how are we I don't, supposed to feed the podcast? I, I <laughs> never, it was never my suggestion that our library would be a regular feature uh, on the podcast. But, so that was the first, that was the first contest. And then the, the second is not really a contest. Um, did you have, did anyone have any other things they wanted to throw in? in um, I still have to do my favorite book. Um which is Fanchen by William Hinton. Um, I don't know if it's the best book uh, in the library, but um, it had a kind of stuck with me. It's about um, this American farmer who uh, was in China in 1948 and uh, was like working on tractors with some kind of aid agency and stuck around through the land reform program. And it's, it's just really interesting how it, it's 
sort of shattered both of the ways I was taught to look at it as like this either the Communist Party brutally like just imposing its rule or um, or making everything right from the top down or whatever. It's just the story of this village and how these peasants like figure out what to do after the revolution and how to organize stuff. Cool. My, uh, uh, Michael Yates, who's a longtime writer for Monthly Review, um, posted uh, on Facebook recently about that very book and the and its author. I don't know if the author had passed away recently or what, but uh, described that book as one of the most influential books in his career as well. Uh, we've put some. We put one of Michael's. Michael wrote up a news report about the uh, uh, Greeley uh, meatpacking plants and how they're uh, fucking over their workers during COVID nineteen. <coughs> we we posted that uh, his, that uh, piece on Cowboys on the Commons blog. Uh, Michael just lives. Michael lives close to us. The second part of the game is the what do we do with the library game <laughs> where we just take, we just brainstorm suggestions. We're not evaluating. We're not, there's no, we're just uh, uh, taking suggestions on different ways that we could make all of the books mm-hmm. fit and make room for more books. Uh, I've already, you know, I've come up with a few ideas. I think we're going to have to have shelves in the middle. Well, we need to stop using the wall space like it's someplace where we decorate with art. We can stack those two shelves on top of each other, can't we? Put another shelf there. Stack a shelf on top of that one. It's true, we could. I have a feeling. We always go up. Yeah. I also wonder, like, do we need the double doors that open into the other space? Yes and no. Uh, yes, we, at some point when we're back, when civilization mm-hmm. is back to some level of normal and we can have bigger events here, right. it's safe to have bigger events here. We can, or we have bigger events but have people keep respectable distances from each other. No, no. Mm-hmm. We, could, we, could put a book sh- we could put bookshelves there that we could then mm-hmm. turn collapse or turn back into the walls on each side Mm -hmm. and then release those Mm -hmm. and then open those those only if there's a secret book somewhere that you have to pull out to make the (laughs) so if we're going to run bookshelves down the middle of the room though isn't that already kind of going to blow the using well we could i mean the idea again could be that we could that they move out that we could move those out i mean i do wonder about using that the turret room Four mm-hmm. books. I mean, because you can, even if it's chilly, mm-hmm. you can go in and grab a book. And right. then during well, the warmer months, you can sit in there and read, and that would be really nice. But... I mean, we literally, like, there's a blanket on the other side mm-hmm. that is nailed and stapled to the wall, and there's a blanket on this side that is nailed and stapled to the wall. We could definitely do some winterizing in there to make it, mm-hmm. like, more... Uh, 
more accessible so that we don't feel like mm-hmm. we needed. I mean, that, that was just like one of the main places we were losing heat. Yeah. And I yeah. just felt like we need to seal this off as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it would be cool <laughs> to have shelves around the top of the tower mm-hmm. above the windows. That and then maybe cool. also some in like, a few, mm-hmm. there's a few maybe other spots some. that they could fit right. little ones. Yeah. Yeah. For I was thinking of, because what I was thinking about was a children's library there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would love climbing the be, ladder to get the books. That could be all the, that could be all children's. Uh-huh. All, anything, you know, like age zero to 14 or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, no, that, I mean, not young adult. I mean, I think we would put young adult somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of having a children's section. I wish we can just make it so it's not, uh, it's habitable during the winter. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we can see if we can find a way. It might be that it's all always going to be chilly in there because mm-hmm. of the windows. Right. Well, yeah, but we just want to make sure that you can still access it, so we don't have to. Right. Blankets or all of that. Yeah. yeah. Books are pretty good insulators too. Right, they are, and it would help keep it warm. Warmer in there. It's all the glass. so definitely yeah. people feel like artwork is that there would be maybe a better place. For the artwork. There's so much and space all of in the... this place that's empty. Like all of the space. <laughs> See, I'm gonna I'm gonna play room. y'all. I'm gonna pretend I'm Yana and go. Let's play a different game. What's your favorite piece of art <laughs> or artifact or poster? What is your favorite non-book thing, everybody? I in have this a library? matching sign to go with the stop sign that says rocks. It just says rocks. Nothing else. Rocks. Stop. Rocks. Stop. Rocks. Stop. Rocks. What's your favorite thing? <laughs> so or, I, I, I like the stop. Or if you have a favorite object, a favorite artifact and a favorite poster, favorite object and a favorite poster. I mean, I really There's like so much I love. I love, I love the Frida Kahlo uh, wine, bottles, wine yeah. bottles that S left behind. I yeah. think that those are... I've always thought those were just mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah, I also like all the dead flowers we put in them. I love yeah, the totally. the Fennis Dembo uh, bobblehead that my son gave me uh, is great. I've been watching some old videos from the, of Fennis playing for Wyoming. My my favorite piece is definitely the remains of our zombie gingerbread village oh, yeah. that we have preserved. Yeah. Uh, we also do have the ornaments that we've been getting. Like, so we have this this collection of uh, ornaments that we get at Christmas time because that's when you can get them. Um, made by this, actually made by a collective in Wisconsin, and we get one for each member, like the first Christmas that they're living with us. And those I want somewhere public. Uh, Oh. My favorite political thing is that T-shirt in the corner. I got it from um, the uh, Hausman's uh, Radical Bookstore in London, um, and it is in uh, the nineteen eighties. Uh, there were these massive minor strikes uh, in Britain uh, that were really important, and the you know this is in the eighties, uh, and uh, they got you know massive support from the. Uh, LGBT community, the queer community, or as they called themselves, pervs, perverts, fits and perverts, perverts. is the t-shirt, and 
It's really cool. If there's a poster of people making an effort to do something cool, uh-huh. then it deserves a place in, you know, right. thus far in the library. Well, so so let me ask another uh, like another question about this whole like library re- rearranging thing. So if we put bookshelves down the middle, then where does like board game playing go and where does movie watching go? Like cuz mm-hmm. we've been cuz we do use this space First off, so you think we just move all of that into the meeting room? I don't see why we wouldn't use the I, meeting room I for think, games and, and watching stuff. I think game playing could Especially actually happen in the dining room. As long as it's not a game that is long enough that it goes over a meal. You know what I mean? Like well, it shouldn't have... Those shouldn't have to compete. But there's multiple tables in there, too. Those shouldn't have to compete. And and I think that the and I think that the meeting room is... Obviously, it's massively underutilized. Right. Like, yeah, we've... Okay. We haven't literally haven't used it for months. Right. We also haven't been meeting. But that's sure. Gonna change at some point. I hope. Sure. Well, we're meeting now. That's true. Yeah. Here we are. Cool. Uh, so putting things up is great. Um, how do we do that? Yeah, we just like I my stack first shelves. Show, stack some shelves. Mm-hmm. Make sure and they're attached. We got some taller, and then we can buy like the standard you know, things that you buy at Walmart to make shelves and then put, the, put a board over it, you know, the metal Or we can right. make those right. with boards. Or we can make those with mm-hmm. boards. Yeah, I would much Let's prefer that. Let's dismantle that over there and replace mm. it with a couple of real bookshelves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, like my bookshelves. Part of the problem is that the, we also have those there lights are in the, you know what I mean? So oh, you can't yeah. go... I mean, could those, those could definitely, like, come down, though, and we could put lights either, we could either... M- move them or like we could put lights on the ceiling I really don't see that light being used <laughs> it's not ever been used yeah yeah well I think we should just take those pictures I mean pictures. I think they're burned out is what it is right yeah. well we need better lighting in here in general we do. Uh, which uh, you know would be uh, you know almost anything mm-hmm. yeah some good floor lamps would help with mm-hmm. that yeah right. and I think we could do that really easily we could do like a table like a coffee table or something with a bookshelf space on it um, to facilitate like sitting. I actually the, really you know, like that idea. The idea of furniture. There needs to as be obviously, shelf. yeah, places mm-hmm. to read. So, okay, well that's a and so that's a step up. I I'm, I'm violating the brainstorming rule. You can also hang a you shelf are. on that beam right there. Oh, oh my yeah. Wouldn't just, be hard at all to hang a shelf from that beam. Just like one row of yeah, yeah. just one uh-huh. of those one row of books mm-hmm. all the way across. Yeah. I mean, and we can definitely also put shelves above all the doors and, and windows. The, so there's, ne- there's lots of space. Necessity though. is the mother of invention here because, you know, none of that will be, you know, every step will be made necessary by the right. successive increasing collection of books. But I mm-hmm. think the, the next thing seems to me like the immediate things would be uh, the stacking um, up high. Uh, which also means we need step little step things. Right. Well, I'm looking at this space right mm-hmm. here, and if we dismantle that right there, stack those two bookshelves over there, the big one that I'm bringing over will fit perfectly right there, the largest of the two. And then we move the game cons- the game mm-hmm. cabinet, which I love. I love that mm-hmm. we have this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, antique, move that into the this other beautiful room. antique game right. cabinet. I don't know but that we, we should... have room in the meeting room, but we do have room in the dining room. Are you thinking like get rid of couches kind of remodeling or create 
it's an organized space. I don't know that we would need to mm -hmm. get rid of things. Do we know if Mike's gonna come and repair that couch ever? I just, I just, I just, I just poked uh, um, Amanda about it again, um, and so she said she's gonna. I, but I also told her like, don't if he has paying work to do. Yeah. Like, don't. You know, we're not gonna make him come over to do that ahead right. of paying work. So. Also, we could get rid of one couch by sending one down to the basement because we'll need a couch uh, in the common room in the basement also. so Wasn't there a tub up upstairs that needed to be cut into pieces that I had? The, yes. The sawzall is downstairs in the basement still? It was. Do, do we have the blade we need for it? That's totally That's unrelated. random. Yeah. That's the library. We're, we're, we're moving away from libraries. but My first argument is topicality. Right. The resolution is <laughs> libraries. Yeah. Violation, you are not talking about libraries. But a sawzall, you should talk about whenever you want to. That's my theory. Yeah, I can saw your like, shelves. They're like the free space on the bingo card. With the sawzall. <laughs> oh, fair. <laughs> Thank you. Good answers, both of you. I lose. I lose my tea violation. Oh, uh, we didn't say our favorites, did we? Of... Oh yeah, what's everybody's favorite artifacts? Oh, I mean, John and objects? Did. Oh, artifacts. Artifacts and oh. objects. Did you? We all said our favorite books, Sarah, except you because you're a big old. I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want. I was distracted. I thought we were looking for books that were weird first, and then we were gonna, and then people just. We did both. It's, it's all kind of. Or, I don't think I did. I don't think I did what was weirdest, but um, I'm not really playing, so I'm the dungeon master. Okay, Sarah, what's your favorite book in the library? Uh, well, my favorite book isn't actually in the library right now because well, it's down in my bedroom. Because I took it out of the library, and it is uh, Recipe for Disaster, an anarchist cookbook, which I definitely read purely for entertainment purposes and not at all for any practical inspiration. There's a lot of great anecdotes in there. Uh, if you're listening to this um, and you're into books, uh, you're that also means that you have books that you periodically get rid of um, and you are totally welcome to send them here. Just find us on Facebook, Solidarity House Cooperative, Twitter, Solidarity House Cooperative, Patreon.com slash Solidarity House. You can email us at Solidarity. What collective what? yo? Solidarity collective yo at gmail.com. Yes. We also encourage people uh, if you there's books that you think that we need to have that you would like to facilitate other people reading, you should also definitely buy us books and send them to us. Uh, yeah, there's lots of really good books that I keep seeing like being released and I'm like oh we don't have money for that but it would be super cool to have that in the library and if you're um, an aspiring author who wants a book review written you should probably send me a copy of your book because I've done that go. before nice send Jason books to review and yes. we'll keep them in the library we'll review them on the show yep and Glenn was just telling me about a book that he's gonna send me the link for that is about queer activism within unions Mm. Like, I want to mm. read that book. That sounds like so. fun. Okay, mm. I'm going to go clean the chickens' cages out before we meet.
so I came in here to eat some cereal and I have these boxes of frosted flakes, which I haven't had in a long time. My mom at one point bought like a ton of like like double packs of like super huge boxes of Kellogg's frosted mm. flakes on like a sale at Sam's Club or some right. shit like that. Yeah. And we just had them forever and I got so fucking sick of frosted flakes. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to eat these. And so I like put the first one in the box. And while I'm eating it, I'm thinking like, man, you know, capitalism is so fucked up. I bet there's some fucked up shit about Kellogg's. I'm going to, after I finish this first box, I'm going to go online and see if there's any fucked up shit about Kellogg's cereal. And then I'll eat the, and then I'll like read about it. And then I'll eat the second box. And, uh, oh, the internet didn't let me down, and neither did the Kellogg's cereal. (laughs) So, interestingly, Kellogg's is from Battle Creek, which is, like, really near where I grew up. Mm. Uh, And and it was started by the brother of this doctor, uh, whose name, last name was Kellogg, right? Right. And the the doctor and the brother, that's why it's, yeah, anyways... uh, so this doctor had, like, really weird ideas about, like, sex was, like, super bad. Like, oh. he, like, didn't want to have sex. Like, he wouldn't have sex with his wife even. They adopted all their children. And he, like, had, like, he, like, ran a sanitarium in Battle Creek. And he, like, <laughs> like for people who masturbated too much. And he would, like, try to, I mean, that's my understanding from, from reading this. And he's just basically, like, it, it like, made... Uh, cornflakes in an attempt to come up with a wholesome, bland diet that would encourage the like urges. The yeah, basically no, no, no. Seriously, like this list of shit. Let me like um. Uh, okay, let me let me go back and look because I was reading it and they were saying like here's all of the uh, things that he says like oh you shouldn't eat this if you know uh, to like these all these things will. Let's see. Da, 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 da. I don't remember why I got so burned out on them. They're pretty like in terms of like the mouth feel that I like. I'm I'm pretty into it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. Here we go. A simple, pure, and unstimulating diet. Now remember, he didn't add the sugar, right? He was like about the plain. Oh, like his brother oh, added so. the sh- his brother, the cereal guy, added the sugar. Uh, so frosted flakes weren't. But anyways. Yeah, okay, here we go. So this is his recipe for, like, um, living, like, a chaste life, I guess. Or, like, you know, not never overeat. Uh, Gluttony is fatal to chastity, and overeating will be certain to cause emissions with the other evils in those who are weakened, whose organs are weakened by abuse. (laughs) Eat only twice each day. If the stomach contains undigested food, the sleep will be disturbed, dreams will be more abundant, and emissions will be frequent. (laughs) Don't eat stimulating food. Spices, pepper, ginger, mustard, cinnamon, cloves, essences. So white people are... All condiments, pickles, pickles, (laughs) etc. Okay, like, so basically don't eat anything with flavor, like, at all. Uh, Don't eat stimulating drinks. Wine, beer, tea, and coffee should be taken under no circumstances. The influence of coffee is stimulate in stimulating the genital organs is notorious. Chocolate should be discarded also. He's just like, he's not fucking around. He's just like, throw it in the trash. 
<laughs> Tobacco, another stimulant, although not a drink, should be totally abandoned at once. Eat and drink plain and bland foods and drinks. Uh, eat fruits, grains, milk, and vegetables. They are wholesome and unstimulating. Graham flour, oatmeal, and ripe fruit are the indispensables of a diet for those who are suffering from sexual excesses. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, the tiger is voluntarily celibate. <laughs> <laughs> We're just reading about how Kellogg's cornflakes uh, are, are like the, the cereal for those who want to masturbate less. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's fascinating. And so I ate the first box and now I'm going to, you know, I read about it and I recorded it and now I'm going to eat the second box. And I didn't record eating the first box. I don't really need to record eating the second box, I think, either. I'm just going to eat it. Bye. The planting beds. Um, so whenever you're ready to talk about that, Jason, what's, give, us a, give us the skinny on the plant life. The middle bed in the courtyard has been completely set up and is fully running and has been planted with a variety of vegetables, uh, leeks, beets, turnips, carrots, uh, bok choy, spinach and peas. And uh, I have also planted three beds over at the church, uh, the community garden that I'm running, um, where we will be getting a great deal of produce and anybody who wants produce can have produce. So. You know, if we know somebody who needs some produce, we will probably have lots of extra from those beds. And I'll finish planting them up with uh, starts on the fruit-bearing plants like tomatoes and such on June 10th. So you had said you have a chicken barrier. I do. Um, okay. Let's... I have all of that green trellising stuff, and I'll just finish up the. I'll just wrap the front and the sides with it and staple it in and we'll be good to go. So um, so we did the doodle poll for when the best day would be for us to do a deep dive on land use planning and it looks like it's the 21st. Um, so folks can, I know you all have really packed schedules right now. You said what day? 21st? The 21st, which is a Sunday. I think that's right. That's it. I'll do planning for it. Is there going to be food? No. No, no food. No food, no food at all. Okay, also, I just need to add to this that, so, like, on the box, he's, like, smiling over this bowl of cereal, right? And the milk's all splashing and stuff. And there's, like, strawberries in it, right? On the cereal box, there's always a picture, and it's always got, like, fresh fruit in it, you know? And I'm just, like, I just feel like that's a lie because nobody's, nobody's parents are putting fresh fruit in their cereal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I never, I mean, I guess sometimes I cut up a banana in my cereal, but like, yeah, no. My parents put strawberries in my cereal, but you know. Yeah, but you lived in bougie Anaheim. Right. So, and that's back when they like would have thought that that was like, now any parent who wants their kid to have fruit that much wouldn't give them fucking cornflakes or frosted flakes in the first place, right? They would, they would give them like whole grain oatmeal or like a quinoa puff muffin or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Well, With also, like homemade no sugar jam. Also, in the spring, living in Anaheim, we had strawberries literally growing out of our ears. Right. So.
Yeah, my mom said that. So the last thing that I just need to add after having eaten that box of cornflakes is that it definitely, it was not an unenjoyable experience. It was very sugary, definitely threw my back to my threw me back to my childhood. Uh, and also thinking about, you know, his the, Dr. Kellogg's, you know, prescription of, of eating this like bland or this like, you know, wholesome breakfast uh, as part of, you know, a, a way to avoid the evils of masturbation. I just need to say that I ate this kind of shit like every morning of my life growing up and starting at about sixth or seventh grade, boy, did I masturbate like every day. So, because he added the sugar. No, no, but sugar wasn't on the list though. You know what I mean? I mean, sugar is not like totally bland, but it's, I feel like it's like a middle ground. At least it's not like, you know cardamom or ginger or peppers No, he's gonna get him out. Can I take a second for my gift for statue? Oh, please!